Okay. Should I talk now? Well, it's a manner of speaking. You in particular? I don't know. Was there something that I missed when I was in the I other room the, right I now? I got this mic stuck to my head. Well, you said it like, like, mm. all right, it's a, all right. Can I talk now, or should I talk now? Like, as, as though you guys got in a fight. Or yeah, those are two very different things. Okay. Like, can well, I talk now? <clears throat> are we contentious? What I'm right saying now? is, I was in the other room until just about five seconds before Mark said I'm on, and I didn't know if you guys had had like a brother fight, like or, an altercation, of or some there was sort. something you really needed to talk about. Like, you know, Morrissey. No, we were talking about, we had been, we were just talking about the songs that, that I just said, I made a comment that songs should start with um, space noises. And then we got to talking about the Steve Miller catalog. And then Ryan said, can I talk now? And then you walked in and thought we were at a fight. Okay. So So I guess we're all up to. Scintillating conversation. Yes. We're all up to. It is the recap of all recaps. Well, that's not, good stuff. Not right? really that either. You, you guys want to do a show? I think we should. All right. I'm Shane. I'm Ryan. I'm uh, Kevin. I'm Mark. Somebody likes it. So there are days that that I figure I don't. Th- there are days that I figure I'm pretty pretty up on what's going on in the world, and then there are other things that come to light that I just uh, I just wonder if if maybe thinking that I know what's going on is entirely off. I'm speaking, of course, of um, the Kiki Challenge, whatever the hell that is. Is that a thing? Apparently, it is a thing. Does it, it involve like? Buckets of ice or something. I think is that the one where you get out of the car and then you dance or whatever. No, but there was that thing a couple of years ago where you'd pour like ice, a bucket of ice water over your head for yeah. charity or something. Yeah. So yeah. So it's not that. It's okay. not that. That this one there's a there's an, there's an NPR article about two farmers dancing uh, apparently awesomely with oxen in the mud, and I thought, all right. I mean, it's not to say that it couldn't happen. I mean, but I was like, where did it, I was, who's the reporter that grabbed that story? Like, we just happened to be walking by the Is that a scoop? I mean, maybe literally. So yeah. this this is the Kiki challenge? I I think so. I mean, it is for those guys. So you're supposed we to find probably like figure out what this is before we're talking about it cuz When I, did I, that when when, when did, did that, that ever stop us? Yeah, before never. that's true. Never. Yeah. Um and then of course Mark, you said um there's Weezer news. Yeah, I don't think it involves any challenges. Uh, well, oh, they're all challenges. <laughs> yeah, I guess sort of. Yeah, so apparently uh, Weezer has scored their first uh, alternative song number one in uh, 10 years uh, with their cover of Toto's Africa. Oh, yeah. I haven't even heard it. Yeah, it's great. I've never heard it. So Africa. this whole thing came from this like 14-year-old girl who kept posting online like uh, months and months ago like, you know, for months she's been saying, Weezer, do this, you know, record a cover of Africa. And, and then it built momentum, and then they recorded Africa. Is that and like it's kind pretty of a, great. It's like kind of like when they, when, it's like when, uh, when Facebook got Betty White elected to Congress, that, right? That's, like, no, I was going to say, like, that's how she ended up on SNL. It was this, like, groundswell of, yeah, yeah, close enough. Sure. Um, I might vote for her for Congress, actually. <laughs> what, the l- girl that did that? or no, Betty White. <laughs> oh, okay. Just Wait, no what? Paying attention to the Sorry, show. Sorry, I'm trying to figure out what the fuck the Kiki Challenge is. I think it has something to do with Drake. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, and, yeah, and yeah. once that comes up, once his name comes up, I completely lose any interest in whatever the fuck it is. So, um, I don't know. I was just in it for the oxen. They were, like, in India. Yes. yes. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, because I just imagine like two dudes in Nebraska, like, and there's randomly some ox in there. I don't think you said the Indian farmers, um, but maybe I just missed it. Who knows? The, no, the headline did not say Indian farmers, but you're right. I'm looking into the subtext, and it clearly says we're talking about Indians. So okay, I don't know. So yeah, we should it's probably a, get into the matter at hand. It's it's Drake's <coughs> viral sensation, which I guess I just don't. I'm not plugged in enough anymore. Well, and it's not clearly the the idea of bringing this up in the first place is not to get to the bottom of whatever the hell that is, because let's be honest, a I clearly don't know, 
and B, I care less than I know. Well, I wanted so, to know what the like, fuck it was. Yeah. Well, that's all right. I mean, maybe we can, we'll just come back around and uh, talk about that for the entire second half of the show. That sounds good. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> but today, we have another, we have, speaking of the item at hand, who's got, who's got this week? What this we, week what is, uh, is my pick. Oh, and, that's right. Uh, I, I, I went back to uh, England for this one, to XTC. And uh, their seventh studio album that um, maybe maybe underrated, maybe not, uh, but uh, it's the Big Express. Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> I heard of that. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's well, all coming back to me now. You guys want to go off and to, listen to it? To be fair, I think both, like, or I think Kevin, Shane, and myself all listened to it for the first time today. Uh, That's not true, but um, I mean, all right. I, I, I don't I know. Haven't, I haven't, you know, I, know I, I haven't lived with it for uh, for months on end. But it wasn't today. wasn't the first time that I heard that record. I will say that uh, today was the first time that I listened to it with the sheer intentness of someone needing to hear all of it quickly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. Yeah. I listened to it twice today. And um, Mark, let me say something before we get started here. I just want to say that. Do you, do you remember when Kevin wasn't wasn't on the show when you first started recording with us? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, sure. And the first record that you ever brought up was that Camper Van Beethoven record. Do you remember that? Well, the first record I ever picked was. Well, no, was no, 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 oh, no, 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 no. We but we're, Shane's putting I, his hand yeah, past that. We're not going there. We're not talking about that. We don't go back to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The Camper Van Beethoven album. Yeah. Sure. Okay. A, and and remember how I really liked that record. I didn't feel the same way about this. <laughs> no, it, it, and and so no. The other, the other, the, your first actual record that stands at the precipice. The of, nadir of well, I mean, you could like, yeah, like Stranger Things, you know, whatever. Like, <laughs> it's it's the precipice of the uh, of the of all the records we've ever talked about on this show. That one is referenced the most. Well, I mean, I, I did have to get you your guys' attention. Can yeah. I, well, can I, I want well, to say you, a couple you, of things. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. I we can talk about this all day long, but but just just want to say I really did like that Camper Van Beethoven record. <laughs> <laughs> can, can we just talk about that one again? <laughs> um, yeah. No. Two things. Two things right off the top. One, I really appreciate when uh, bands name their records things that sound like they could be fast food restaurants. And, <laughs> and, That's true. And, and, you know, I would, I'd probably, I don't know what like they say. It's like one of those drive-through kiosk things where you, you know, get a burger. For, yeah, they for would, burgers they would for need an bucks. extra X, I think, in Express. Maybe, yeah, probably. Also, um, here are a list of the working titles for this record. So it was almost not called The Big Express. It was almost called Coalface, Head of Steam, Shaking Skin House, that one just sounds creepy. Bastard Son of a Hard Blue Rayhead, that is a totally XTC sounding name. The Known that World. That one would have fit this record. <laughs> and uh, Bull with the Golden Guts. You know, you know what I would have named it? Uh oh. Almost. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I keep feeling like this is almost a good song. It's missing something. <clears throat> I do love the first song, like, unabashedly. Yeah. 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 Uh, Wake yeah. Up, I think, is a. Well, and, and, Home run. and I've read a few reviews. I mean, they were all they all kind of came out closer to the uh, the anniversary release of this. I think 2014 uh, it was re-released, 30th year anniversary. And you know, a lot of people comment on how basically the first half of this album mm-hmm. is decent. It starts to sag in the middle. Yeah, um, and it doesn't really recover. No, it really doesn't. Um, yeah, Stays I don't sad. think that there is. I don't think there is an entire single song on this that I I like from start to finish. But there's a lot there, of there's some there's a lot some, of bits of there songs. Are there are a couple too. of little bits, but that's the thing. Okay, I h- cannot stand the first song on this record, but the really? second I hate it. I hate all that jumpy, jumpy, burp, 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 quirky, jumpy, sh- blah, whatever. Shane, but but that second kind of a that the, was like pretty a accurate, Pinocchio the thing, too, yeah. With your that, arms, that second song, uh, I don't have. I can't. All get you my, pretty girls. Yeah, that chorus is really fun, but it also has that herky jerky. It's just like it's not fun for me to listen to. Now there are lots of rooms full of lots of people out there 
that like power pop and quirky English I, stuff I that love the shit out of I it. I think this would be a totally respectable band to have as like your favorite band. You know how, how like every band you've ever heard of, sure, like, somebody's like favorite band. Like I met a girl no, who no. was really into Concrete Blonde, and I'm like. There's no reason you shouldn't be, but like I don't know that many people who are that into concrete. This is rock. a totally respectable band for it to be your favorite band. However, hey, I don't understand how. Like, it, after even the stuff that that I liked, some of it, like there are a couple where I really liked the chorus. I was like, man, I really want this song to be re-recorded by a less weird, quirky band. That I can like not feel it made me feel like I was you know like how they tell you that if you have epilepsy that you shouldn't look at strobe lights that's what this music is for me like I feel like I'm just on edge the whole time it's really too jumpy and quirky and see I think it's like quirky and weird but kind of light at the same time well the thing that I keep coming back to is there's a lot of and the funny thing is is like there's a lot of like real unabashed like high five nerd love for this record just mm. in, spe- in, in just the like, band in general in pockets yeah for sure um, but and and I don't know if this is, is sort of revisionist history based upon the fact that Skylarking the record that came out after this one was comparatively more well received and seemed like kind of the high point of that that their arc and it's the one that gets talked about the most certainly does yeah certainly by Todd Rongen. But uh um, I had I had heard Skylarking and I had heard Oranges and Lemons. And other than that and and like Dear God, the single. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I don't have a ton of experience with this band. You have a couple like the since it's working over time, I'm sure you've heard a few times. Like there's Probably. other there's songs floating around out there. But yeah, for the most part I'm the same way as you. So um something else to note. Mark Mark reached out to me um right after he picked this record and said, Oh, hey, by the way, there's a there's a documentary on, and we won't go into what channel or any of that stuff, but like there's a documentary on, um, floating around on cable, and here's a, here's a password so you can get in and see it, so I won't be the only one. Well, let me just say, that cable outlet does not like it if you try to use uh, credentials more than one place. Oh, really? Yeah, so that didn't work. But what ended up happening was I started poking around online, and I found Andy Partridge's uh, John Peel interviews, and they're really fascinating. And that essentially is how XTC got their break, was that they sent some tapes into the John Peel show, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then were playing out, and somebody came up to them after the show and said, hey, by the way, do you know that John Peel was here? And they're like, oh, Cool. I wonder if he liked the shit that we said or whatever. And then he got in touch with their management and said, hey, the guys want to come in and play. So essentially, and and what Andrew Partridge says is to this day that he doesn't even think that they would have ever gotten a record deal were it not for the fact that they got this early stamp of approval on what they were doing. So the genesis points of like of British bands, you know, like them or don't like them or somewhere in the middle, I think are always really fascinating, especially from this era because it was like the early 80s, there's no internet. Well, weren't yeah. they kind of like punky early on? Like, I haven't listened to any early XTC. I don't really know, but um, they were heard like. Also, what's the other one about Nigel? There's like something Nigel, like he will be. That helps out a lot. I know. Um, making way for Nigel. Making way for Nigel. You've heard these are I songs. I don't think I know that. Yeah, these are songs that I'm pretty sure you've heard at some point. Like, but I know like the Mayor of Simpleton and the Ballad of Peter Pumpkinhead, and of course. Dear God. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, yeah, that's shit that we all heard, like, in high school. I think that mm-hmm. post that, I think there's... There's something called The Lovin', I think, that was pretty good. I don't know. The this, Lovin'? Yeah, this band, this band just kind of, like, pops up every now and then. And well, like, at their at their height, there are, like, some of this work ends up getting compared, admittedly, from, from critics who are big fans of their, from their work to some of the stuff from... Like that, there be less touches. That there's there's a little bit of um, flourishes of smile. Certainly on this tr- on this record, there's at least a track that sounds like very Beach much Boys? like they've been listening to um, uh, Stuart Copeland's drumline from Police songs of that era. Well, and they so toured with Police, so that even makes that's more sense. Probably, yeah. So probably a pretty accurate uh, description. L- like sometimes closely, uh, yes. yeah, sure, yeah. Um, 
So anyway, yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot to unpack here. I will say, I you know, I too like I didn't. It was I found liking some of these songs a little elusive. Like it was just even if I wanted to like them more than I did, like I, there just wasn't enough meat there. I yeah. guess like so. Yeah, that was I, a challenge. I, I can definitely buy that. I there like I was saying like I, I didn't love the you know like the I just didn't love it but uh but so a lot of it was right the, the meat the it, it was I think sometimes the hookier parts were sort of obscured by the herky jerky stuff well and f- if there's something you need to say mark uh i mean we'll we'll probably get a little bit more into andy partridge and and kind of the he seems like a small I wanted, fellow. I, wa- I have some stuff in particular the, i want to try yeah, ironical but, uh, so this this was uh, this was i guess the second album when they had kind of gone into this no touring phase, um, that wasn't really a phase. Well, I think it, that took they, them all the way through the end. They quit touring in like '82, I think. Yeah, they quit touring in about '82, '83. Uh, they they released Mummer, Murmur, Mummer, and then uh, which came out, out nearly at the same time as REM's Murmur. By the way, like oh, that actually happened. That's right. Yeah, um, so, but so so they were confusing. they were I think I think they were kind of starting to uh, experiment more with. This concept of we don't have to write songs that we can rep- reproduce live on a stage anymore. So we can just go, we can take full advantage of the studio, and you know, do crazy stuff, bring in strings, bring in horns, you know, do whatever we want to do basically because we don't have to worry about how we're going to play it. And I think, I think we're seeing a little bit of that experimentation perhaps in this album. Um, yeah, I mean, and it seems like it seems like the genesis point for some stuff that would f- come off more fully flowered on the next record. True, true. Um, well, yeah. and in between this album and Skylarking, XTC actually uh, did another album. Like the Dukes of Stratosphere. Yes, but not as the XTC as Dukes of Stratosphere. And that stuff I've heard a little bit of, too, and that sounds a little more straightforward and from what I've heard. Like straightforward songwriting, yeah. Like a little well, less. and it, that was a that we can talk more about that later. But that was a very targeted thing. Um, like they they set out to make a '60s record, and uh, they they just got into character and did that. So, uh, shall we listen to one? Okay. Yes, sir. Well, um, let's go ahead and start off with "All You Pretty Girls." This was the single, um, and we can actually watch a, a video for this if you. Generally speaking, I am I am I've probably said this on this show before and during the time that we've done it, but I don't know. You're a fan of men in, in naval uniform? I am generally speaking averse to the uh Sousa like drumline, like just like march songs, like all that, oh, that modest yeah, mouth yeah, shit yeah, yeah. completely I could just leave it and never turn around and that'd be fine. Like Marshall snare kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It just does literally zero for me. And uh, and at first couple of listens, I didn't really take much to that song. Um, I do find the narrative in that uh, that video is very very eighties, but um, but I like it better. Like it's growing on me a little bit, and it's, I didn't necessarily think that it had that potential. <coughs> so it's shrinking on me. Uh, oh, well, I no- good. Maybe we'll balance out. Yeah, I noticed uh, as we took a pass through at that time that it's like ninety percent chorus. There might be like one yeah. verse in there, and there's a bridge, but it's basically them just chanting that same 
line over and over again. And uh, yeah, it gets a little old. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Shame. Um, I'd still think it's the best song on the record. Like it's definitely the hookiest and least weird. A room divided. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if we are divided. I I probably I probably agree with you. I think it might be the best song on the album. <laughs> I love the first song. I don't know why you hate it. I and now I'm kind of with you, Ryan. I actually yeah, That's it is a little bit more angular than a lot of the stuff on the record. It is like, more angular, but I, but I feel like it has more energy to it than than most of the record. So so by this um, point. Um, Terry Chambers, the drummer, had moved to Australia. So actually on this album, I think this, this particular song, I, I, I was trying to listen to him and figure out which ones. They had a, a session drummer come in and play drums on some things, but, um, but they spent a lot of their recording time ju- just programming electronic drums There's, for this album. I think a lot of what they did, like from what I could hear, <coughs> excuse me, was a, a, a mixing... Live drums and electronic drums. Yeah, they probably laid down kind of the the. Y- you can hear on certain. You can hear on some songs that where, like the the snare will be like an early electronic, eighties oh, snare. One of those like pads. Yeah, yeah, just and then, the right but, but also, but but there's but it's also being like played. Like a like a like a an actual drummer's playing it, or it's not programmed, or. The it's the programming is mixed in with 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 the with the session drummer. I think you're probably right on that second. I think it probably was. Uh, but who knows, man? I think so. I so I played this. Uh, I played this thing. Uh, I played it in L.A. once, and I played it in Austin once. Years later, like ten years later, called the International Pop Overthrow. I remember that. Yeah, it's um, named after a uh, material too. issue record. Material issue, right? And the kind of people that go to 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 the international pop, at least in L.A., I, uh, I think he only did it in Austin once or twice. Didn't, didn't that like the thing Darren went to a whole lot? I think Darren Murphy. That's, that would make sense because Darren's into stuff kind of probably like this, mm-hmm. like definitely power pop. Mm-hmm. There's a power pop aspect to it. There's just a pure pop aspect. There's a Beatlesque part. And then there's like the XTC weird angular, like jellyfishy kind of, not mm-hmm. that that's as angular like, as this. Like kind of left of center like bizarre pop. There's a lot of Flynn people Flynn. that like this stuff. Like as far mm-hmm. as cult, cult following. And that's fine. Um, it's uh, They're not hurting anybody. No, they're not. <laughs> they're what? like maybe me I, a I, little I, bit I if I had to like go to a party and that's the only music. I that worked with a guy whose played. favorite band was Incubus, and I liked him less after I found that out. I actually think they have a couple of good songs. Oh, couple, I, there are a couple of Incubus songs gonna, I'd way rather listen to than 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 than. You're XTC gonna, you and I are sure. going to differ on that, Kevin. You were trying to say something. Yeah, no, I was just going to say like uh, the thing that I kind of keep coming back to. Well, there are a couple of things. Well, the, the the first is that it's like among the among bands with an angular aesthetic, it's like XTC are not as obnoxious as say this is gonna sound like a terrible comparison, but like Primus. Like Primus I, sucks. I no. agree. I agree. Okay. Wasn't but that there are, like but there are there are, there are uh there are there are occasionally some singular Angular takes that are that are that are. I can I part, can tolerate Jerry music. was a race car driver, but but a little bit. Here, I'm, but the yeah. the point is not to go through the Primus catalog. <laughs> I'm just saying that that is that's the worst, and and these guys are not that. Neither are they, uh, you know, sort of an improvement on the Beatles. Which I was going to say the Beatles. What what what, ha- what some people say, mm. or they get, or um, some of their their best stuff gets called into the like. Drug into the same light as say, um, Maybe smile like the, the Beach Boys smile. So it's like it's it, it, there are there are the lofty perches, and then there are uh, essentially what it comes down to is like XTC for me plays like an experimental act with uh, with that occasionally with really like does some overtones. stuff great. Mm-hmm. But and this was the other point that I was going to make. I think that Andy Partridge historically has been such a fucking obsessive. That he has Kevin Shields himself out of greater fame. Yeah. I don't think like, it's just. I, the I obs- don't disagree with I, that I, at all. I think that's a good. I, if you go and you listen at least to you know the be- you know Oranges and Lemons, which is where he finally capitulated and just wrote a bunch of pop songs. I mean, I own that record, uh, or I own the tape actually <laughs> when I was in high school, 
and uh, which I got from Columbia Records. Nice. Uh, 12, 12 for a 12 penny. for a penny. Yeah. yeah. Um, you needed to pay those which, guys back. That was not always the gift that was given to me because, um, okay, well, number one, it kind of was. It literally was because I never paid for any of them and, like, opened up a bunch of accounts under different people's names after oh, yeah. I found out that you didn't have to pay for them. And mm-hmm. so, I, so I would pick, like, three or four tapes by Here bands popo. that I knew. And then I would, and then I would, like, pick, like, I would get, like, the, you know, whatever fanzines of the time or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I'd get, like, four or five or however many that I had left. Promising over. bands that you'd read that about or something. Bands that I had read and I, th- I thought would be promising. And um, for the most part, other than the Smiths, I did get the Smiths through Columbia House um, and The Cure. There it is. Uh, other than there, it is. I already said it at the top of the show, oh, so, sure so, so yeah, just get it out of the way. I just yeah, just I snuck it in when you weren't paying attention. I got other than those I when I took. I mean, like I got one one of those tapes that was it was like a a tribute to Andy Warhol by Lou Reed. Um, not very good. Um, <laughs> and and uh, so there were a bunch of those, but 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 Oranges and Lemons was one. And like, I mean, Mayor of Simpleton is a fucking like solid. It's a no, it's song. a terrific that, song. Yeah, for sure. Actually, and yeah, and I think that the, that on this there there are, there are a lot of like really really there's the song about the seagull or whatever. Yeah. Like that one is another one where like the hook is great, but it's just surrounded by a morass of angularity. Is that a word? Of 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 you know angular stuff that's just so hard and it's like it, this is what I felt like the whole time. I was listening to this record like, oh, that's pretty, mm, but I couldn't switch. I just, because I would normally, if I were just listening to the radio, I would just hit the button, mm-hmm. and I couldn't hit the button. Uh, can, I, can I say, like, this is a weird analogy, and this will probably go nowhere, so it's, I'll, I'll lead in with that little nugget. But um, one of the things, and this is not going to make sense to everybody, so I'll apologize in advance, but... Uh, Andrew Partridge has an active Twitter account. Like he actually tweets. Yeah. Like he's and and the way that he uses that platform is different than the way that pretty much everybody else. Certainly, most people of some fame, but all, literally almost everybody else. Like he is, he will not be on there for a while, and then he'll pop on, and then he'll individually respond to every bullshit thing that people <laughs> say on Twitter on his timeline, which is like pretty much most of it. Like it's just idle chatter. And he'll answer all of it, and then they'll answer him back, and he'll answer back. And anyway, it is, it is. He is. He's certainly not aloof. So um, his Twitter's like a like an Ask Me Anything on Reddit, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Except he goes for like several months at a time without. And then he'll just, and then he'll just yeah, yeah. Then he just pops up and he answers everything, and he sounds totally like a guy you'd have a pint with at the pub. And the other, speaking of which. I didn't realize that he's from that, that band's from Swindon. They're from Swindon. Mark used to live in Swindon, and yeah. I've spent I've spent a little tiny bit of time in Swindon. Yep, at a pub actually. Also that too. I would think a pub that they probably spent some time in. I imagine. Yeah, and apparently it sounds like he still lives there. Oh, does he? Yeah, he's a funny guy. He's got a he's got a pretty good wit. I remember reading interviews with him and. You know, when I was trying to look for tapes to order from Columbia House, twelve for a penny. <laughs> sure, um, it's bad business. And uh, yeah, if you didn't ever pay the penny, you're supposed to like send the shipping in later. And if you don't send the shipping in, they like cancel your subscription. Yeah, yeah. that's the secret to Columbia. If you have to go back to like 1988, that's the secret to not <laughs> having to pay. Just um, but but okay, but <laughs> that's your Back to the Future moment. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> we should probably listen to some. But before we do, when we come back, I really. Want to spend some time talking about what my overall impression of Andy Partridge has been for the last twenty-five years, oh, I was it, hoping which you're is impression. he's a, in yes, he's an insufferable asshole. Like nobody could stand him. Um, he's a really funny, cutting wit, but a real dick. And um, I think I will add to that. Everybody though seems to make excuses for him. Well, again, so what he's smart and he's really funny. Yeah, what does that mean though? Well, I like, I think that I think that people like. Tolerated him, and then when when he in a weird alleyway or when, like no <laughs> like like yeah this guy's kind of a dick but he's you know he's doing good stuff, and then when he had his meltdown I think everybody was kind of like oh well maybe 
Maybe this is, has uh, something to do with that. I guess I don't know. But then I don't he, know even why after even after even after that, like I mean, he was talking about like skylarking, like alluding to he said something along the lines of, you know, Todd Rundgren, you know, he hated him and he's trying to do all yeah. this stuff and do a hatchet job before blah 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 blah. And that was just because he was trying to include a couple songs from Colin Moulding in there. That's it. And then later he said, yeah, I mean, we, he said I, I actually I wanted to hate him, but I loved. I love the way that the album tur- I don't know the quote because I love the way the album turned out if he weren't such an insufferable bastard I would have loved to have him come back and do another al- I mean he just Well and I think that was the th- I think that they but were the, he just was opposing just that way with forces but he they was were. that way with everybody though I yeah. um I listened today I listened to the Todd Rundgren uh Mark Marin interview and that shit is fascinating for a variety of reasons not the least of, yeah basically it sounds like per Rundgren's point of view that that uh, that the band Partridge is running people out of the studio left and right, yeah. and so he basically came in and said. And apparently, it sounded like the label was pissed at them by the time that he came in. This is all scar- skylarking stuff. So yeah. this is the next record. But basically, yeah, he came in and and they were at a place where they were out of leverage, and so the band just said, "Okay." And they sent him the tapes, and uh, he told Andy Partridge like. I'm gonna be here at the end of the process, and so they and he stuck around. They tried yeah. to run him out, and they didn't do it. So anyway, and it um, ended up being like their most successful record up to that point. Like right. definitely here. But anyway, let's listen to another song. All right. Well, um, I think we're gonna get there, but I want to first hit. Uh, Sorry. I first want to hit. Uh, no, I want to hit Seagulls screaming "Kisser, Kisser," and you brought this up. Uh, the band briefly. No. The Japanese there, band. There yeah, band? there is a Japanese indie band. Called Seagulls Screaming Kisser Kisser. Uh huh. Named right. after this. Well, this is not the Japanese band. This is the song. Partridge is a, has synesthesia. Synesthesia. Mm, oh, so he like uh, he can smell colors. Yeah. He he writes songs in colors and in, and in images. So he okay. he 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 sees something and he 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 makes notes out of what that sounds like to him. And I don't know. That may explain some of this angularity. I, I, I don't know if that's possibly. It. I mean, as soon as you said that, that, that made me think that this song was like um, "You Got Lucky" by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers mixed with like <laughs> um, "Gang of Four. And then just right collision, in the middle of it for no good reason, a trombone solo. Yeah. Yeah. Like weird. Again, el- because they could. Accord. Well, I was just reading uh, the album. Uh, page on Wikipedia uh, about this record, and, and uh, Andy Partridge said he wanted to make like industrial pop that's a little rusty around the edges. Like, yeah, yeah, you did. You I'll did tell that. you what, I'll give him this, man. There wasn't a lot of shit that sounded like this. That is true. Around the time. It was a p- pretty interesting indi- individual sounding act. Well, and you got to figure, they didn't think they were going to, you know, own the charts with this thing. No, I kind of get the feeling from reading like that they definitely expected, or at least Andy Partridge did, expected a, a lot more success than... I read an interview with him 15 or 20 years ago in uh, The Big Takeover. Do you remember that magazine? I do. Uh, and he spent basically the entire interview bitching about his label. Oh, they there was a lot of drama with, with Virgin Records. And, and to this day, he still feels like... Uh, you know, signing a contract with any label is a mistake. And they just, he, he feels like the band got royally screwed out of their contract. 
Um, they didn't make any money off off the records. See, here's the thing, did. though. Like bands that we've all heard of and, and have made a decent living in the music business always hate their label. And, like, everybody else is trying to get on a label. Well, it's the way to... I mean, it, traditionally, at least, it's the conduit to, to be able to make anything happen. Yeah, to get and, the, you know, this label, you know, puts you out there in front of the public, and you start, you know, having it, it, but it's the, larger it's, crowds when you tour, it's, it's, and, then they, and then the band hates you. Uh, it's not just that. I mean, there's a lot of shit where the bands get fucked over. I mean, it's, no, it, it's it, the conduit, like... The structure of that business is that the artist is at the lowest rung of the totem pole. It's just going to be the structure of any sort of business where, I mean, I would say the movie business is equally the same, but that one's a lot more decentralized. Uh, you know, where you have, it, you're always going to have the, the necessary, what in my opinion, grousing between like complete commerce and, you know, commerce and art. And, and there's nothing really in between there. You know, mm-hmm. like, can we make money off of your... You know, like, back at the time, like, when, when they got on Virgin, like, whatever, I'm assuming, like, that's before, you know, like, you know, music had splintered where you had college rock and you had, you know, AOR rock. You know, at the time, it was just rock and roll. And, mm-hmm. You know, like, this is around the time where it starts starts to splinter with punk and you, you see the acrimonious and, split and between... New wave and alternative yeah. or whatever. Yeah, so, I mean, mm. that makes sense to me. Well, and specific to this album, there also is the fact that they had a real falling out with their manager, and apparently he mishandled some of the funds, and so they that actually, that whole thing, they had money tied up in court. They had royalties tied up in court where they didn't see any money from records that wasn't just necessarily due to the to the virgin contract it sounds like it was due to litigation mm-hmm. and they didn't, that didn't get solved until 1999 yeah so anyway at the very l- it sounds like some of the grumbling was probably with cause and then some of it is just because he's Andy Partridge and that's what he does yeah yeah uh, again I, I think he seems like an incredibly funny guy but he like like acerbic and funny, but I also think like in person from what I've been reading about him <coughs> because I have been reading about XTC for the last few days and I was list or I was seeing like people like up and down. It just seems like sometimes he would just do shit that just sounded unfathomably dickish, but you know, whatever, I guess that's. So I did watch this documentary that came out last year. It's called this is pop. Um, and you can find it on your nearest online resource. Um, and I, it just, it came out at the end, I just felt like Andy Partridge obviously like took control of this project because it, centered, it all centered around him, and it all just... Well, there are two songwriters, right? But the other guy barely gets any work. Colin Molding. Colin Molding, Colin yeah, Molding's basically. the other. And, and, I mean, they're both really talented, but it's just the the way that, you know, I mean, in filmmaking, you, you would understand this, but the way that they just, the way that they cut it, mm-hmm. everything favored Andy Partridge. And there yeah. wasn't any discussion around, you know, uh, the, you know the, the, the deal with Virgin sucked and, you know. Well, it's like Andy Partridge was like uh, Lennon, I'm just... I mean, not literal, but like Lennon McCartney all rolled in one, and the other guy is like George Harrison, just trying to like, you know. But it's also, but it's also, it's personality-wise, not just music-wise, like personality-wise too. Like he was a dominant force, person. Like this is what we're gonna do, and you know, put it for maybe should have formed. And that's why some of the people left the band. Like maybe he should have formed a band with Marquis Smith. That'd been a real treat. That would have been a a a delightful (laughs) little. (laughs) Little nougat-filled love fest, yeah. <laughs> crotchety white guy, white British guys. Um, Not just crotchet, like extra crotchety. The uh, that video for all you pretty girls, thirty-three thousand pounds. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, another no thing. They like talking about how much the videos. If you go to the Wikipedia page, yeah. like there's a c- couple of different types. Despite spending X amount of you know, money, or despite spending X amount of money, or, you know, like, like I've never been on a band's Wikipedia page where it's... They bring up the price, bring of, the up the price of the video. Yeah, I don't know. I think that might have something to do with Richard Branson, but that's just me. 
Uh, who knows? I have <laughs> should no we idea. Uh, should we take a little break? Yeah, let's let's, let's, let's do, do a few minutes with. All right, so who's got metal this week? I do. And so this is, it's, this is not on purpose. I've been wanting to play this video for months, and I kept forgetting about it. If it's to the entire Warrant album, we did that last <laughs> week. That's true. You know what I was going to say the first time I listened to, to this rec- XTC record? I'm not going to act like we live in another bubble, but that record that we're listening to on the other side of this, at first I was like, I've heard that first song, and I was like, ooh, I would rather listen to Warrant than this. But I settled down and listened to it a couple times, and it's a lot better than Warrant. But boy, for a little while there. High praise right there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, a lot better. Anyway, this is is a straight-up pop song, uh, mid-'90s. We're all going to go home and uh, to our, our wheelhouses, and, um, and this is a, a quite charming video, but it's Carnival by the Cardigans. So let's listen oh, to that. Cool. Good video. <coughs> Good video. Man, they, they grow some pretty people in Sweden. Yeah, pretty people. Funny, funny, charming. Like, everything's so very charming in that video. <coughs> and like it's, it. it's very mod. It well, very mod. so here's an interesting thing about that. Yeah, that, was, that video was released in 1995, but that song was released in 1994, which is 10 years from... So basically, this video was 10 years from the video we watched earlier. And, like, what a c- crazy sea change... Like, just in, sure. you know, 10 years. Yeah. Which, which is odd. I just think I love that song, and it's... it's no, that is that is very much a Shane Bartell wheelhouse kind of song. Yeah. But the video, like, the I could listen to that song all day long, but I had uh, I forgotten that... Anyway, I just think the, 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 the video is really funny. Like, it's very telling. It was released yeah, as so a CD single. Yeah. That is, again, yeah, wow. 90s. So, uh, yeah, in the video, there's a bunch of people like flamenco dancing or something. The band's playing on stage. She saunters off stage and walks over to like a panel of men who look like, for all the world, they're in a mustache There's like five of them yeah. with very large, they're the judging panel like, with very large mustaches. Like handlebar mustaches or and something. And she charms them all, which yeah. she, she was quite charming. Well, yeah, but they look like they're in a mustache competition, but then she gets a trophy. Well, no, they're the judges for the dance competition. Okay. So she ch- she charmed them into the band getting getting, getting the trophy the, getting instead the trophy of the rather dancers. Than any of the dancers? The dancers yeah. didn't get it. The band got it. Well, she did a little dancing up there. I mean, I guess that's fair. Yeah. Sure. She did do a little bit of dancing. A little. Yeah. So when this is the the pre Lars era, Shane's Shane's producer yeah. actually engineered a Cargan's record. Um. Yeah, like what, like twenty years before that or something. Like he only worked with them on one record. I know. Yeah, I just yes. think it's cool that you have a, you have a connection to it. Like, sure. Anyway, they're yeah. a fun. They're they're a fun act, and it's not. Like, I don't think about the Cardigans often, but what I it's like you know it's never it's not rainy day music. No, that's a, it's a it's little bit. No, of con- that's kind no. of funny pop. Yeah, real pretty. Huh? It's so well, the, those those first two records. If you go past that, uh, there's in the subsequent ones like it. Their death metal phase. A, it, well, it's a little more like. I mean, apparently they Harris country kind of stuff. Like they've apparently done several covers of uh, uh, Osborne and they, Black Sabbath. Oh, yeah, yeah, they, they did, were they, they were Iron Black Man. Sabbath. They did yeah. Iron Man. It was um, it was on that. That was on the one the after this. Yeah, that had Love Fool on it. Yeah. Um, 
First and it's, band on the moon, the way I they think. do it, it's really pretty. <laughs> yep. Oh, I, I, I feel I all flowery that. inside. I enjoyed that video, Shane. I, I find the video to be Black quite charming, white. and it's so it's such a pretty song, and it's one of the ones that just kind of like, you know, it never. We never when you kind of get the, you kind of get the impression, like in the world that that video exists in, it's like the flamenco dancers who all got ch- clearly cheated out of the prize. Like nobody's upset; they're just fine well, with it. That one like, guy in the front, he's like. Yeah, the one oh, guy like shit. bit his yeah. knuckle or something. Right. <laughs> so yeah. Pays anyway. to be in the band. Cute Thanks, song, cute video, cute girl. Yep. All these things. All right, let's go back and listen to XTC. I. Hey, so we're talking about the XTC record, The Big Express, and one of the singular joys of covering any album of of this era is that there's, especially like a major label release, which this was at the time, uh, is that there is a Mark Prindle review. Oh, nice. Yeah. He's, a, he, well, he's always worth a, uh, a mention. Well, and he stopped, the guy stopped reviewing records in 2011, but a lot of these are still up, and they're very stream of consciousness, and... Frankly, typically flat, hilarious. Do we know so why he stopped reviewing? Is, I mean, is um, he still around, or yeah, no, did I he finally just around. get sick of it? No, Life intervened, and he wasn't making any I money. Probably, he, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah I'm not. The the real answer is I'm not 100 percent sure, but it's like he stopped reviewing as of 2011. It's all still up there, and he's active elsewhere, and he is uh, he's promoting his own band these days. But anyway, yeah, so. So he he his this is his quick capsule review, and then in a minute I'll share the second part of the second paragraph, which is my favorite. But anyway, he says, um, "My feeling is that the production on this album is from 1984. Not only are there big synthy drums, fake horns, fretless bass like Paul Simon would probably like, and keyboards that make that would make the Human League sound like John Fahey, but there's also TVs everywhere and this room where they make you confront your biggest fear." Comma, super tramp. (laughs) 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 So he says, most of the sounds sound mighty happy, though, and the poppiness will warm the hearts of even the most spaghetti noodle. I don't know what that means. Jazzy pianos, awful harmonica, and rain of blows. The worst song ever, all caps, shake your donkey up. Uh, shake your donkey up. Trashing the music industry. They're back to sounding a bit like uh, XTC is what I'm trying to say. Radio ready, chug lug, dandy pie music. A bit of reggaeification here or there. Bounciness, circusy, cheerful, Sergeant Peppers, clapping, music that your mother would like, and I know because I'm your father. <laughs> that's what. That's the first paragraph of the Mark Prendel review. All right. So anyway, the point is, is like he's not. You know, for all of like the, you know, somebody dial up his meds a little bit. Uh, take on this, he's not totally off. Like it, it is a. Tends to be a pretty upbeat record. There are um, some of the things that he's that are that definitely feel like they're a 1984 staple going on here. But um, anyway, you know, I I for whatever we think of of this album and Andy Partridge, uh, he seems like uh, he he seems like he's willing to try things. Some maybe sometimes too many things, but he's willing to try. Well, one of the one of the reviews I read of it said that like. Uh, it's not like they're ever out of ideas. They sometimes just cram too many of them together. That's right. Right. Yeah. <coughs> Editing. Editing is your friend. It's true. Yeah. So anyway, can I can I share this one other little thing and then yeah, yeah. On? Share away. This is my favorite part. He says, <laughs> "Yesterday I bought my dog a soft plush saxophone that plays a catchy saxophone tune whenever he bites it hard enough. It's the cutest thing in the world, but he keeps biting it while I try to review albums. So now all my reviews say things like quote." Fantastic McCartney-esque piano ballad, exclamation point, until the middle of the second verse when this really out-of-place saxophone solo comes in. It repeats again at the beginning of the next song, continuing in a seemingly random rhythm for several minutes after the album is complete. Seriously, read all my reviews. They all say that now. (laughs) So, that guy's a national treasure. Anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you've had, so we've had the break to percolate on it, Shane. What was your what was your overall? I mean, we get that 
We get that you didn't love it, but what was your no, overall was, take? I think I said pretty much what my overall thing was. It's a little too jarring for me. Um, I can't ever see myself ever listening to it again. But there were a few songs that, <coughs> like the la- the Seagull song, and that uh-huh. the two songs that we played today. Like I, I like those songs. There's little like Jimmy little nuggets. Not Jimmy, like I, not I, Jimmy I kept, Cricket. Not that kind of. I kept finding like little spots. In various songs that I'm like, oh yeah, kind of nailing it. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I did too. Yeah. And they lose it. it, it see, yeah. that's what Mark's saying. Like, that's pretty much what I think yeah. we've all been saying this whole time. It's like we're just, just when you just start to fucking surf the wave, like another big one comes in and yeah. washes you out. And I kind of feel like it's almost one of these deals. Like, if he were, if Andy Partridge were a painter, it's like you know how it's like it's a terrible analogy. It's like P- Picasso. Starts to paint something, it gets to a place where he's like, "I can't like now it's perfect." No, I'm and just I'm gonna not gonna touch it anymore. Throw a bunch of water on it. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Any, any part would go like, "Well, really, it's perfect, but it just needs like seventeen thousand more things." It's yeah. so that, that see that yeah. sort of sounds like, like Axl Rose and Chinese democracy to me. Oh, but they're I mean, all uh, sure they're all the same yeah. thing. Yeah. I don't know what and that the, means. And I made the Kevin Shields reference means, earlier. Like it's all it's all related. Like there is. There is such a thing as too much tinkering. And by the same token, you know, I guess the flip side of that same coin is like I can see where where there is a maybe even if they didn't know it at the time, there is a progression that uh, that would culminate in the next record or at the very least like they're growing as a band, even if they maybe didn't know it. Yeah, Yeah, there's like back to your point of these little bits or I guess originally my point of these little bits of these songs like. The, there's a song called Rain of Blows on here that there's parts of this that I really love. And then I thought it would be kind of cool to bring it up on the podcast because, you know, they, they've got the hand claps, the like eighth note hand claps. But then I realized that the eighth note hand claps go all the way through the fucking song. Like oh, they yeah. never stop. Yeah. And it just, oh, it gets so old. I know what song you're talking about now. Like, yeah. you know, dial it back a little bit. Could have been interesting. True. Well... Do you want to spin one? Let's spin one. Let's probably do what I anticipate to be the most polarizing song on this album. Which one is that? That would be the first song on the album. Oh, okay. Excellent. I thought, uh, yeah, I thought you were going to talk about the donkey song, but I guess we probably all agree on that. that yeah, I don't think I've polarized too much. Horrible song. It is the suck. <laughs> yeah, let's listen to Wake Up. I see. I can see like why you would get annoyed by the angularity and whatnot. And as I recall, like I enjoyed the Gang of Four record quite a bit more than you did. Um, but I feel like that song has a buoyancy to it, uh, and and kind of you're has creating some that in your own head, which is great. <coughs> Music should allow you to do that. I, I don't know. I just dug it a lot more than you did, Kevin. I probably I'm probably with you on this one, Ryan. Like, and I kind of see both sides of the coin, like. Most of the time on the angular stuff, it's like I can kind of, I, it doesn't necessarily beg repeated listening for me. But I appreciate gonna, the yeah, fact that I'm not going to go back and like jam out to it. But like that's what I'm saying. Like if you were driving, like driving on a road trip, and it came on the radio, I'd listen to it. I couldn't find my <coughs> buttons fast enough. Personally, that's you're allowed. So um, here, I, I do think it kind of sounds like it should be like interstitial music in like Pretty in Pink. <laughs> I could see that. Reason. So here's the really weird thing, or maybe not weird, I don't know. It's the angular stuff of this album that I like the most. I'm you know, you that's, that. a, that's a 
I think that's a like thing I don't that like I don't like the the sugar poppy like that stuff that stuff meanders stuff. too much. But the it seems like the angular stuff like like, they, like they when he's playing it. these dissonant chords and and the syncopated beat and it's just not fun for me to personally to listen to. Like it doesn't have to be the sugary chords. It's just not. Ultimately, it boils down to this for me. Like as a record, like. I just can't stand that kind of stuff. Like, I just don't like... It'd be like... It'd be like, um, you know, I mean, if I brought in, like, a Tejano record. You know, that's music that somebody loves. That is true. That we would not probably collectively enjoy. You know what? Like, uh, like, having worked at restaurants, like, in the... You know, there's a lot of Mexican people around cooking food and listening to music. The stuff... The modern... Mexican music that I like the most is electronic based. Like they've got like some dance songs that I'm like, that's actually pretty fucking good. Uh, but generally speaking, I'm not a big Tejano guy. No, <laughs> here's, well, there's right. the T-shirt slogan. That yeah, we <laughs> generally, yeah. generally speaking, speaking, and then yeah. on the back, I'm not a, I'm not Tejano, a Tejano guy. guy. I yeah. do think I do think it's not honestly like. So I have I have known Mark for whatever reason. Like in my in my head, I have connected you with XTC the band for a while like you're probably a bigger fan of this band and more familiar with them than any of the rest of us i would assume yeah but i'm not that familiar with them i mean i I probably i mean i i think the first time i was really made aware of the band xtc was when dear god came out and at that time at that time you know it was so mired in controversy that everybody kind of knew who it was well you know the story i think i actually like like, i i was turned off by it you know because of like the religious associations that I had at the time. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until college that I came back around and actually started to listen to the whole catalog and became a fan. That, that's, a, that's a perfect song. And you know it was the fucking B-side. And yeah. then like all the college DJs heard it and were like, no, this is the song. Right. Hey, so one thing that we haven't talked about at all is why this record is called what this record is called. Now, I made my gag I like about your, that. I liked your idea. My earlier. idea my idea is it's better. Because it was frankly. pretty good. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, fast food restaurant. Um, but no, the, r- the reason that it's called what it's called is because in December of 1983, essentially the government voted to, or decided to take the, the railway out of Swindon like they're, so they were losing their train stop is really what it came down to. Mm. And, well, no, it's, and, and, it's and Mark, not, you could tell us more. It's about, the like, steamworks that they shut down. Okay. So Swindon is where they were making all of the steam trains. When they were, I mean, it was kind so of, it was the factory. It's, it's where a Great it, Western yeah. Railroad was was kind of one of you spent out of. You, and and so Mark lived. You lived in the UK for what six years? Uh, just like, four. Four, four years, seemed like six. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> he just had one term. Yeah, one term, yeah. But anyway, um, I mean, there is a fair amount of, it's safe to say there's a fair amount of train travel, so it would have been a big deal. Oh, it, it was like, a huge deal because yeah. because that's what, I mean, Swindon was, uh, the economy was built on steam travel and then later just on train travel. Right. And yeah, I mean, it was, it was a huge deal that they were shutting this down. And it, it wasn't until... You know, s- several years later, when kind of the 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 first fledgling companies in the internet started to come in there and re- kind of revive it as like a tech city, but yeah. So your point being just that this is this is when the government decided, well, we're shutting down Steamworks in Swindon. Right. So a lot of this album is like there's political messages in there. Conceptually, it's like it's a lot about small town Britain. And it's a lot about it's a lot about how the government sucks. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, just struck me interesting, and certainly as a as a harbinger of the time. Or yeah, whatever, and it, but and if you if you think about that theme, I mean, you have to squint your eyes a little bit, maybe. But you can listen to this album and and kind of catch on to that concept that this this thing is this big old rusty steam train that's just hurtling down mm-hmm. the tracks, um, you know. And then you get to the last song, which is. Uh, Literally called um, "Train Running Low on Soul Coal," and yeah, that's how they ended up. I, I want to point out one last thing: just that before the band was XTC, they oh were the, yeah. the Helium Kids. Before they were the Helium Kids, with a Z, with they, a Z, that's they were right. Star Park, 
and I just want to point out that the original bass player with Andy Partridge was Nervous Steve. <laughs> Nervous Steve. Oh my God, he plays almost on every single album <laughs> oh, that legendary. I love. It's hard, yeah. hard you know, but but the, but the only the problem with Nervous Steve is that he plays on almost every album that I love, but like for one song. Yeah. 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 He gets really nervous. <laughs> like he's, he's out of there. Like, ugh. Hey guys. Head out. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, poor Steve. Well, uh, right. guys, thanks for letting me take you on that journey. Ah, uh, sure. Thanks, thank, thanks for. I, you know, I didn't hate this record. I really didn't. I just, you know, I didn't love it. Yeah, I wouldn't say there's a, a ton of there there. Honestly, I think sometimes I think it's harder to, and I've mentioned this before, but I think it's hardest for us to cover record, records that are either that that lie somewhere in the middle of great and terrible. Yeah, and terrible's so easy, and great's easy. Yeah, yeah, um, that's true. Yeah. All right, what yeah. you got, Kevin? Okay, so um, we are going to listen to uh, <laughs> a track by a band called Viagra Boys called Sports. All right, do it. Ever a song needed a video? Yeah, that, yeah. Might, that might yep. be it. Yeah, <laughs> that song takes you on a journey. That was one <laughs> of the, that was no bullshit. One of the funniest things. Ooh, I and I, honestly, one of these cases where I wish that we could play more than just one minute of these songs on the podcast because you gotta you've gotta experience that from beginning to end. Really, it, it yeah, it get kind of gets out of hand. I keep there were several points in that song. I was like. That's probably where it should be over. <laughs> it just no, wasn't. but it just ke- well, it kept getting funnier and funnier. Like it never well, got okay, old. Okay, so the, the chorus is sports, but it just devolves into this more depraved version of the word. And it just reminded me, Kevin. There's you, really you, no way to explain it, Kevin. You remember like when uh, the nouns would play and like. Travis, their singer, would get all fucked up, and by the end of the show, he'd like have his pants around his ankles and just kind of like wailing into the microphone. This song that sounds like the kind of show I needed to be at. A, yeah, this was a band that Ryan used to do some work with. But the, like, what's the so what's the yes well, I do remember yeah, that but, he would but like you know they would start out with these you know clean little pop songs or whatever, and by the end of it, it's just like this squalling guitar and it's literally his pants around his ankles and just like kind of you know primal screaming. And this yeah. song does this like. All in one song. Yeah, the the pitchfork right on this is is almost as funny as the song. The guy goes, he says, the beach party described in the lyrics gets more and more surreal as the song unfolds. Somehow, everyone's both naked and wearing short shorts. People ski through the surf, smoke cigarettes and dope, and eat wiener dogs. Wiener dogs. (laughs) (laughs) I love the fact that the that the term wiener dog just keeps. At first, I thought it was like a Gibby Haynes. It's like a kind of a. Yeah, they're Swedish, yeah. apparently. That Gibby Haynes like was popping up because it kind of has like a resemblance to uh, uh, Jesus built my hot rod or yeah, yeah. Um, something like that from like the early '90s. Except this is funnier. Yeah, uh, this is kind of like uh, like Liam Lynch and Ken Nordine had a baby that like uh, that's probably was, why I love it. What? Yeah, it was yeah. like uh, Ooh, what? The? <laughs> Liam Lynch, you know who he is. Liam right? Lynch is the guy behind Siffle and Ollie. Uh, oh, and, and uh, what was it? What and was whatever. His, whatever. Yeah. whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Ken Nordine does this like we bizarre word jazz. Uh, oh the, yeah, the yeah, father, yeah, yeah. The father. Oh, but if you like dirty that, those two had a baby that dirtied it all up. 
uh, yeah. you get something resembling but anyway, this. But it's a lampoon. My it's stomach hurts so bad, like yeah. from laughing at that song. And the thing is, is like it's not too short and not too long. It's like the, it goes on a little yeah. bit longer than I thought it was going to. Yeah. But it never wears out its welcome. No, and it, and it gets it gets slightly more out of hand the longer that it keeps. How going, did you right? discover like, this, Kevin? Huh? How did you find this? Song? I was just digging around for like stuff that I that I saw that was that I thought was interesting and new, and I thought it was like usually it if it doesn't have a video, but I like the track. Okay, it's like the the track really has to score because it's like kind of oh, half the does. fun is 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 for us to just sit around and watch whatever the shenanigans are that make up this thing. But I would like to say, um, Sweden. Uh, two sides of the coin with the middle of the show. Right, yeah, show. yeah. I had a little sweet earlier. Yeah, it, they're from Stockholm. Nice. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that. That was a. Yeah. Um, yeah, that this song's probably not playing in your local IKEA. <laughs> that was. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> Who knows though? They're weird. <laughs> All right, Ryan. So yeah, I've got next week, uh, and this band like. I don't know if it's just that they're gaining momentum or whatever, but like everything that I've heard, I have liked. Uh, and Shane, stop me if you know this whole record, because I'll pick a different one by the same band. But uh, I was thinking Beach House. Um, do you know their whole catalog? Am I, am I screwed here? Which one or which album are you talking uh, about? Thank Your Lucky Stars from 2015. That is, surprisingly enough, the only Beach House record I only know the singles to. Okay, well, let's go with that. Uh, thank your lucky stars by Beach House. They are, uh, they uh, might be my favorite band of the last 10 years. In fact, they are easily my favorite band of the last 10 years. So we should probably get out of here. All right. Well, I guess until next week, I'm Kevin. I'm Ryan. I'm Mark. I'm Shane. This is Somebody Likes It.